Welcome to the Bayshore Podcast. As listeners each week, whether through iTunes or through the church app, you're part of our church family. We would love for you to share stories of how Bayshore is impacting your life by sending us an email at amen at bayshorecc.org. As always, you can find all kinds of information and content on our website, bayshorecc.org. There's also our church app, which you could download by going to bayshorecc.org slash app. So thanks again for joining us this week, and we hope that today's message is a blessing to you. Well, it's good to see everybody here uh, live at Bayshore this morning. We have uh, many, many people that watch us online. We have between 700 and 1,000 people every Sunday that watch us online, and we want to welcome you to be a part of this experience today. We hope you come to Bayshore. Uh, We just want to hug on you and let you know how much we love you and care about you. And the best way to experience Bayshore is to be here and uh, experience a great worship live and and the teaching of the Word. So we're grateful for you watching today. Thank you for that. And uh, so we're in the book of Acts. We've been studying the book of Acts, and um, the reason we do... uh, uh, what we've been doing is that we, we believe that all Scripture is God-breathed and inspired, and we believe that every, every part of the Bible has something relevant to say to us, and we try to not avoid things just by bouncing around, but we kind of go chapter by chapter so we can grow in our faith. And so today we come to this uh, really incredible passage of Scripture uh, about the uh, Apostle Paul. As you know, he came to Jerusalem at the end of his, uh, 20, uh, out of, at the end of his third missionary journey, his reason to go there was uh, a couple of reasons, but one of the main reasons he went there was to collect money to help poor people. And he had been gathering money from these Gentile churches that he had started, and uh, the people in Jerusalem were very poor. There had been a famine there. And so his vision was, was to take uh, money from the Gentile churches and give the money to the Jewish people that were suffering, hoping to bring unity in the family of God because there was uh, animosity between the Jewish people and the Gentile people. The plan didn't work, but we talked about last week how God is very pleased with us listening to Him even if the results aren't positive. So we talked about that. Very important. Sometimes we feel like we fail if the results don't look good. But the truth is, is that God, success in God's way of viewing things is obedience regardless of the results. Very, very important principle, and the prophets in the Old Testament will verify that and all that. It's an incredible principle. And so if you live that way, if you live by, you know, living in obedience to the Lord and not worrying so much about the results, then, then you're going to be a happier person. So today, uh, Paul gets to, he gets to Jerusalem, and they, they try to rip him apart. They're angry at him. He gives a great speech, uh, and then they, uh, they throw him in jail. And th- this is all happening around the temple there's this big temple. The temple, you know, covers like four football fields in Jerusalem at that time. Huge, huge uh, edifice. edifice. Uh, and uh, in one corner, the north, uh, northwest corner of the temple is a fortress called Antonio's Fortress. And that's where the Romans had their barracks, and that's where the officials would stay. And so they've taken Paul up these steps, up to these barracks, and they put him in prison. So the, 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 the commander in charge is a guy named... Uh, Claudius Lysias, I believe, and uh, his, his deal was, you know, these people, these Jewish people are all upset, and the Roman officials, if you're a Roman official, your job, your job, your main job is to keep peace, to keep, uh, uh, make the populace docile and peaceful so the Romans can collect taxes. That's the bottom line. So there's chaos in this city. Uh, because of Paul, and people are rioting, and they're trying to kill Paul, 
And so he's got to figure out what the problem is so he can get peace back in the city. That's his goal. That's his job. And so that's what's going on. So he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know why these people are all upset. So the Roman official, you know, Claudius Lysus, he doesn't have any idea why these people are all bent out of shape. So he's got to figure out why. And so he, the next day, he gives Paul to the Sanhedrin. Now the Sanhedrin is a uh, is the Jewish body, 70 people, Jewish body of governing people that oversee religious affairs. Now the Romans, the Romans kind of back off and they let the Jews kind of handle their own thing. And, uh, and so he turns them over to the Sanhedrin. So the Sanhedrin, 70 people, and the Sanhedrin is made up of two different groups, made up of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and the chief priest, a guy named Ananias, is over that body. So Paul is handed over to them uh, to, for them to interview him and to come up with a charge against Paul. So that's where we pick up the story. Let me read a little bit of it to you out of uh, 2230 uh, and then a few verses into chapter 23. The next day, since the commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released and ordered the chief priest and all the Sanhedrin to assemble. Then he brought Paul and had him stand before them. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourselves violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, you dare insult God's high priest. Paul replied, brothers, I did not realize that he was God's high priest. For it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. And then I'm going to read just one verse, uh, Exodus uh, Exodus 8, 22. Exodus 22, uh, 28, brother, brother. Exodus 22, 28. Do not blame God or curse the ruler of your people. So this is an interesting story. Um, Paul is called before the Sanhedrin, and Ananias is the first guy that we need to look at. He's the high priest. He's, he's, he, here's his deal. He's over the Sanhedrin. He is pro-Roman. He makes a lot of money by, by keeping things in the status quo. So uh, he is, he's the guy, and his interest is to make sure the Romans are happy and because they make sure he gets paid well and he lives in a big house and everything's cool for him. So, but here's the guy. Here, here we, what we know about him from history, we know that he's abusive. We know that he's abusive. Uh, we know he's a violent man because uh, he was called to Rome to stand trial because of how he treated the Samaritans. Uh, the Romans called him to Rome because he was very cruel and he killed all these people. And so the Romans weren't big on that. So he was called to Rome for that. And uh, so we know that he was greedy. He would take the tithes that were supposed to go to the priest. And Josephus, the Jewish historian, says that he would take the money that was supposed to go to the priest. He would take the money himself to bribe other people to get things done the way he wanted to get things done. So this is a corrupt person. He's abusive and he's corrupt. He's so hated by the Jews that when uh, the Jewish war starts, there was a Jewish war in AD 66 where the Jews rebelled against Rome. And uh, what happens at that point is the Jewish people, the first thing they do, the first thing they do is they find this guy, Ananias, they find his house and they burn his house down. 
And then he's hiding, he runs and he hides, and he's at Herod's palace, and he's hiding in the aqueducts, which is the water system. They find him in the aqueducts, and they kill him. So this is not a popular guy. He's abusive, he's mean, he's exploited, he has lack of integrity, and so he's, uh, he's not well-liked and well-thought of. And so that's, he's in the story. Then you've got the Sanhedrin. And uh, they're supposed to figure out what, what Paul's done wrong. So Paul begins his address. He says to them, men and brothers, men and brothers, I've lived my life in all good conscience before God. Now that seems pretty a benign statement. That doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with that. That's a good thing. But the high priest, uh, he's already frustrated and the reason he's frustrated is because this guy's causing trouble, and it's in, not in his best interest for there to be trouble in Jerusalem. And so he orders one of his, his flunkies to punch Paul in the face, to punch him in the face. He says, strike him in the mouth. What it means is they punched him in the face. Remember the day before? The day before when they're riding they're beating Paul, trying to kill him the day before, and they're beating on Paul. He's already sore. He's already bloody. This guy has been abused physically. And he makes a statement, and the high priest orders that he's punched in the face. Now, let me ask you a question. Here's the question today. The question is, how do you respond when somebody punches you in the face? What's the Christian thing to do when you're punched in the face? Now, I don't know, you know, I, I read this story and Jesus said, Jesus said, if you're striked on the cheek, you know, offer the other cheek. How many know that's, 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 a neat, that's an easy thing to remember, but it's harder to do than it is to, to remember. How many know that? So they punch Paul in the face. They punch him in the face and they just. And what does he say? God bless you. We're, I'm going to be praying for you. Father, forgive them. They know not what, do, what they do. No, Paul doesn't say that. Here's what Paul says. Paul said, God will strike you, you whitewash wall. <laughs> How many already like Paul better? Now, this is good. God will strike you, you whitewash wall. Now you say, is there some spiritual meaning to that? Is that something deep? Is there something really spiritual? Is there something hidden there? No, there's nothing here. He's just saying, God will strike you, you whitewash wall. What he's saying is, is in those days when they would uh, bury people, they would paint the tombstones white so you wouldn't walk on a tomb. And, uh, and Jesus used that phrase too to, uh, to say that uh, things look good on the outside, but inside they're full of uh, dead man's bones. He was basically saying, God's going to bust you in the face, you hypocrite. God's going to bust you in the face, you hypocrite. Now, now, what is going on here? Then they say, hey, didn't you know it was God's high priest? And oh, no, I didn't know it was God's high priest. And uh, he said, you know, I'm not supposed to be you know, evil of the, of the high priest. Uh, and so here's, here's, the, here's the principle. The principle is, is, is when, when Paul is, is struck by this flunky of the high priest, he has a fleshly reaction and the Holy Spirit didn't say, say, God will strike you, you whitewash wall. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. That was Paul's flesh. And Paul said, God's going to bust you in the face, you hypocrite. And he had an initial reaction. I think this is helpful to see that Paul was human. Paul was a human being. Paul was not some super spiritual person who always responded appropriately when something happened that he didn't expect. 
This is, this is very helpful. And he takes responsibility, as we'll see in a minute. He takes responsibility. Now, I have to tell you, my life, I'm just an open guy, and I'm here to tell you I'm growing in Jesus, trying to become more like Jesus, but I'm not all like Jesus yet. How many here, you're not all like Jesus yet? You're a little bit like Jesus. You're more like Jesus than you used to be, but you're still not all like Jesus. You know, that's me. Now, 4th of July, I was coming back from Rehoboth. I've been playing tennis, and I don't know if you travel down Route 24 ever on, on 4th of July. It's, it's a nightmare. I mean, it's just, just wall-to-wall traffic and, uh, and all these foreign license plates. They're just everywhere. They're just walking down, you know, trying to get down 24. I'm coming down 24. I played tennis. Had a wonderful morning. Wonderful morning. I mean, it was wonderful. I played tennis, played well, and, uh, you know, a guy got, got done playing, and he sold his racket. I mean, I was playing so good. <laughs> had such a good day. I'm coming down 24. And as I'm coming down 24, uh, you know, get to right where the VFW is there, right before uh, uh, where the rural farm is and the Catholic church there. And somebody was turning and somebody was turning and they had a little white car and they were going to turn in by the VFW. And I'm there right behind them in my pickup truck. And I'm just there and I'm just hanging out. I'm listening to worship music. I got, you know, uh, uh, I got worship music on. I'm worshiping Jesus. I play great at tennis. I'm doing wonderful. It's just great. And uh, there was about three or four cars behind me, and I'm waiting, and there's all this traffic coming. So we had to wait a while. And so we had to wait a while, and, and uh, about three or four cars down, uh, there was like three cars behind me, and then the fourth car was this blue Tahoe. It pulled out on the shoulder and passed everybody, including me, and swooped sweeped right off the shoulder on the 24. Now that bothered me. Now the reason it bothered me was, first of all, you shouldn't pass on the shoulder and people can get hurt because a lot of people ride bikes on the shoulder there. And I had a bike accident just about that very, very area not too long ago. And, uh, and, and I think it really bothered me because he got ahead of me and I was like, I was ahead. How many know that all, you know, all men, it's basically a race when you're on the, you know, and I was leading and he passed me illegally. And I remember I was listening to Christian music, and I had been, I had been uh, playing tennis that morning, and I'd been talking to Jesus. When that guy passed me, something went through me. It was like fire went through me. And I don't know, I don't think it was the fire of God, but the fire went through me. And, and I, I hit the horn. And it, it wasn't like, it was like, Pull back, hit it again. <laughs> then I'm following him up in the light turn red at Royal Farm, and, and this is where the Holy Spirit took over. <laughs> because I thought about just getting on the horn right behind him, but I didn't. That's the Lord got a hold of it. And I thought, where, where did that come from? I mean, that just, you know, I think it would have been okay. Now, we can talk about this, but I think it would have been okay. Just a little tap on the horn. Hey, you shouldn't have done that. But it was the intensity of the blowing the horn that, that I realized that I was in the flesh at that point. And I was just like wailing on that horn. And I think when Paul gets punched in the face, I think it's that. I think it's that, that initial reaction that is our flesh that comes up. And he said, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. And here's what I've discovered, and we'll read a wonderful quote about, uh, from C.S. Lewis in a minute about this. It's, it's the surprises, it's the unexpected 
challenges that we don't see coming that provoke our reactions. And here's something I think is interesting. I think our reactions are a better indicator of where we really are spiritually than our actions. You got time to think about your actions. You can plan your actions. You can plan your strategy. But your reactions are unedited. Your reactions show you that there's still some stuff to work on because they're unexpected. My wife Karen, she's a she had uh, knee surgery this week, and so many have been praying for her. She had knee replacement, and we've been at BB Hospital this week, and they've been doing such a good job. I can't tell you how impressed I am with BB Hospital. Maybe you haven't had a good experience. We had an A-plus experience there. They did a great, great job for her. And uh, so I'm the caretaker, and we've, I've been for weeks, Karen's been training me. You're going to have to take care of me. I'm going to be down for a while, and you know, I take care of you. You've got to take care of me, and I've been trained to take care of her. And I've been working on it. I've been thinking about it. I've been meditating on it. I've been watching YouTube. I want to be a good caretaker for Karen, you know? So I'm trying, taking care of her and all that. So she's in the hospital the other night. And she said, she said, honey, can you get my toothbrush ready? I'm going to need to brush my teeth. I said, honey, that's awesome. I'll, I'll get it ready. That's how, how you know that's simple right there. Uh, I can do that. I mean, I don't know a lot, but I know I can do that. And she said, get my toothbrush out of, the, uh, uh, out of, the, out of the, the little yellow bag I brought. I said, hey, don't need to do that. BB's got this little thing. They've got this little case here. It's got everything in there. It had a little toothpaste, a little, uh, little toothbrush in there. You know, it like had a little cover on it. And you pull the cover off, and it's, like, and it's like a cover and a little thing. And it's just cool. I said, look at this cool toothbrush. She said, I want to use mine. I said, this is a cool toothbrush. We're going to use this. So I'm over there, get all the tubes out and stuff, and, you know, it's got all this stuff in there, and, and I'm, you know, I found a toothpaste, and I put it on there, and I put a little water on there, and then I, uh, I gave her the toothbrush, and I'm turned around, and she said, what in the world is this? I said, what, it's toothpaste, and I pulled it out, and I put shampoo on her toothpaste, you know? <laughs> I said, boy, this is not going good, is it? I mean, I'm just getting started here. <laughs> so anyhow, that, she's told everybody she can think of that story, and I'm telling you. And I, and I think it's, it's the reactions, the reaction. You know, when you, you know, something happens to you that's unpleasant, but that reaction comes out. And that's what happens here to Paul. He's like... He's reacting. He's reacting to something unexpected. Say this with me. Unexpected things will happen. And it's the surprises in life that reveal my real character. So what I love about, love about Paul here is Paul, when they said, when he said, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. I just love that. I keep saying it every again. God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. Next time a person passes me on the shoulder, I'm going to say, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. <laughs> but the thing about, I love about Paul is as soon as he was corrected, as soon as the, the members of the Sanhedrin said, hey, that's God's high priest. And Paul knew the Old Testament. He knew, uh, he knew Exodus 28, that you shouldn't speak ruler, uh, evil of God's ruler. 
he immediately said, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was God's ruler. I didn't realize it was God's high priest because the scripture says, I should not, one should not speak evil of the ruler of God's people. So he has God's word in him. The Bible says, um, may the word be hidden in our heart that we may not sin against the Lord. And he has the word in his heart. And when he realizes he sins, he immediately takes responsibility. Listen to this. Godly people aren't perfect, but godly people quickly repent when they know they're wrong. Godly people aren't perfect, but godly people quickly repent when they're wrong. See, the goal of the Christian life is, is, is you know, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to have things that are going to happen. You're going to have reactions that come out of you that aren't godly. But the response always has to be, Lord, I'm sorry. And Paul here, look at his humility. He repented publicly in front of everybody. He told everybody he was sorry. He had sinned publicly. If you sin publicly, you have to repent publicly. If you sin privately, you can repent privately. But if you sin publicly, you've got to repent publicly. And he repented in front of everybody and said he was sorry. And he quickly did it. Quickly did it. Great godly people aren't perfect, but they quickly repent when they sinned. I was sitting in... uh, sitting reading the other day, and I always have coffee when I'm reading, and I was reading uh, something, and I had a, a cup of coffee there, and it was in a saucer, and evidently, and I had my, I had my good untucked, untucked shirt on, and I had uh, this coffee, and I was sitting in a saucer, and there was some coffee I didn't realize that was in the saucer. So I was uh, drinking coffee, and I was reading, and uh, I wear these untucked shirts. They're like a little expensive, but I love these untucked shirts. And uh, it was my favorite, my very favorite shirt. I was wearing it, and I was drinking coffee, and I was reading, and I pulled that coffee cup up to, you know, get some coffee, and, and I didn't realize it, but there was coffee on the bottom, and the coffee dripped on my favorite shirt. Big, about the size of a half dollar, big thing of coffee. First thing I did was I put my coffee down, took my shirt off, exposed my rippling muscles. I took the shirt off. <laughs> and I ran and I went, got into the, uh, the, the, where our washing machine is and I put spot removal on it and threw it in the refrigerator, threw it in the refrigerator, threw it in the, uh, <laughs> I'm a little stressed with all this stuff. Uh, I put it in the washing machine right away and washed it. And that's a good illustration of repentance. As soon as you stain yourself, as soon as you do something that's inappropriate, something that's of the flesh, you immediately, quickly repent. You quickly repent. Say this with me. Uh, Godly people aren't perfect, but godly people quickly repent of their sins. So I want to put this uh, C.S. Lewis quote on the screen here this morning, this great C.S. Lewis quote. This is is from uh, Mere Christianity. Uh, this is one of the best things that is in this whole book. I love this, this, uh, this uh, paragraph here that C.S. Lewis wrote. C.S. Lewis wrote, wrote in Mere Christianity, he talked about, he talked about how uh, sometimes Christians are inconsistent in their walk with the Lord. And he had this person criticize Christians one time to him, and he said, this woman lives down the lives down the street from us, she's, she's mean, she's moody, she's surly, she's, she's critical, she's just really, you know, she's supposed to be a Christian and she's got all this stuff. And C.S. Lewis said, imagine how bad she'd be if she wasn't a Christian. 
interesting response. But here's what he said about inconsistencies. He's talking about himself here. He said, we begin to notice besides our particular sinful act, our sinfulness, begin to be alarmed not only by about what we do, but about what we are. This may sound rather difficult, so I will try to make it clear from my own case. Next, next phrase. He says, when I come home to my evening prayers and try to reckon up the sins of the day, nine times out of ten, the most obvious ones is some sin against charity. In other words, I haven't done something loving that day. He said, I have sulked or I've snapped or I've sneered or I've snubbed or stormed. Next phrase. And the excuse that immediately springs to my mind that, that the provocation was sudden and unexpected. Let's read that again. And the excuse that immediately springs to my mind is that the provocation was so sudden and unexpected. In other words, something happens that I didn't expect to happen, and then I had this, this reaction. That's exactly what happened to Paul. Next, next phrase. I was caught off my guard. I had not time to collect myself. Now that may be an extenuating circumstances as regards those particular acts. They would be obviously be worse if they had been deliberate and premeditated. Next phrase. On the other hand, surely what a man does when he is taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. Isn't that incredible? On the other hand, surely what a man does when he is taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. Surely what pops out before the man has time to put on a disguise is the truth. Next, next phrase. If there are rats in the cellar, you are most likely to see them if you go in very suddenly. But the suddenness does not create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding in the same way, the suddenness of the provocation does not make me an ill-tempered man. It only shows me what an ill-tempered man I am. The rats are always there in the cellar, but if you go in shouting and noisily, they will have time to cover before you switch the light on. So he's saying there that basically that when we have these unexpected things like Paul getting punched in the mouth and the reaction comes out, when you have an unexpected thing that just caught you, catches you off guard and your flesh comes out, he said that reveals kind of something in your life that still needs to be dealt with, that's still there, the anger that's still there, the frustration is still there. And so he, he kind of pinpoints it that way, such an important thing. So the value of something like that coming out, like when Paul said, God will strike you, you whitewash wall, the value of that coming out is that it shows you where to pray and say, Lord, this is an area of my life that needs to be changed, that needs to be remedied, that needs to be fixed. And so somebody said that when, a, when, a gold, uh, when gold is refined, how gold is refined is, is they, it's heated up and it's melted into liquid form. And the impurities of the gold come to the top because of the heat. And the smelter, the refiner, he takes a skimmer and he takes off the impurities. And then he allows it to cool and harden. And then he heats it up again. And he does it and he does it and he does it until one smelter said, how many times do you have to do it, he was asked. He said, I do it 
until I can see my reflection of my face in the gold. So when the Holy Spirit shows you something, like me on Route 24 hitting the horn, it's like, oh Lord, there's still, there's still some anxiety and anger and frustration there that you need to deal with. And he deals with it with his grace and his mercy. Hey, listen, if you're married to somebody that's not perfect, which that would be the case of everybody, wouldn't you say? How many, how many know, just raise your hand gently here, how many know your spouse is not, is not perfect? Just raise your hand, just raise your hand. How many, how many know that you're less perfect than they are? Just raise your hand and wave it really good. So the Holy Spirit basically just keeps working on us. And when I see Paul in this story, I see him in, not in rare form, I see Paul in raw form. It gives me hope. And he immediately repents of his sin and asks the Lord to forgive him, and he repents and, and all that. Then there's wonderful story. The rest of chapter 23 is, I just got a few minutes left here, but the rest of chapter 23 is uh, Paul uses this little guise here. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees make up the Sanhedrin. And uh, what's going on is, you know, they're not going to give him a fair trial because Ananias is corrupt. So they're not going to give him a fair trial. So here's something he does. And this is, this is Paul's being savvy in being uh, creative. He says he knows that the Sadducees and the Pharisees hate each other. So he says, I'm a Pharisee. And he divides the group and the group gets in conflict and they're fighting with each other, and they're just all upset about things. And Paul uses that in order for him to, to buy some time and all that. One other thing I want to say about this before, I, I got more stuff to cover on this, but I'll end with uh, two little things here. One is about Paul, uh, the God will smite you, you whitewash wall, and he, he repents, and he says, God wants me, uh, you know, uh, I shouldn't dishonor God's high priest. Um, there's a principle there. He, there's nobody more corrupt than Ananias. He was a, maybe the worst high priest they ever had. But Paul honors the office of the high priest. And he said, I shouldn't speak ruler again. I shouldn't speak evil and be curt and unrespectful and not show honor to the ruler of the people that's been appointed by God over the Sanhedrin. So he distinguishes the office from the person, and he honors, he shows honor to whom he's supposed to go show honor to. Now, there's a principle there. This is, pro, this is a problem in America right now. Everybody's very politically divided, and I hardly ever talk about politics, but everybody's politically divided. But I have to tell you something that happened to me the other day that really bothered me. I was going into the eye doctor to go to the eye doctor to get my contacts worked on and, and all that. And I, I got out of the car and there was a car sitting there in front of me and it had a bumper sticker on it. And the bumper sticker said, not my president. Not my president. And I like stopped. I looked at it again. 
I thought to myself, that's the most un-American thing I've ever heard. It doesn't matter if Mickey Mouse is the president. The president, the office of the president is to be honored regardless of who's in the office, Democrat, Republican, Independent, because it's the office that we honor. And America needs to have this fundamental respect for the office of those that are, care, that are in authority. Can you say that again? I've been living a long time now. How many have ever had a president in office? I'm not talking about the current president or any president in particular, but how many have ever had a president that wasn't your favorite president? Just raise your hand. I'm telling you what. If the president of the United States walked on the office, I'm not going to say, hey, dude, how you doing? I'm going to say, hey, Mr. President, because that whole idea of not my president, that is a, that's a diversive, uh, divisive uh, attitude that needs to stop in America. We're all in this together. Whoever we elect together is our president. Whoever we elect is our governor is our governor because God has ordained a, an orda, uh, ordained a society of order and we respect the office and Paul talks about it in, uh, in Romans 13. First Peter talks about it. The office is to be honored and so Paul honored the office and so that's a, an important thing. So uh, just say, that, say this with me. The office of any position of authority is to be honored regardless of who occupies that office. So it's, we are have a system to challenge, debate, all that's important, but that's, that's another thing. So got two minutes left, so here we go. Uh, I think when Paul said, you know, I shouldn't speak evil of God's high priest, I think uh, also I think that, uh, you know, when he recognized that he had spoken curtly against uh, this, this high priest and he took responsibility and he repented of his sin and he made that right, I think it's, it's, I think it's important that we recognize that every person that we encounter, that we talk to in a, in a negative manner or in an evil manner, that, that we need to, to step back and recognize that every person is made in the image of God, regardless of who they are, and to talk kindly to them. Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that every human being has, has innate value. They're made in the image of God. We need to honor them. We need to speak lovingly to them and kindly to them. When we're in the flesh, we need to take responsibility for that. We need to speak uh, in an honoring way to everybody because every person has incredible value. So the other day I was leaving, I had lunch with a, a guy from the church at uh, Blue Water Grill, <clears throat> and we had this really, really wonderful lunch together, and I had to park way down uh, the street by the, where the Georgia house was, and so uh, at the end of our lunch, I'm walking down the street, it started to rain a little bit, I walked down the street on the sidewalk, and, and I'm starting to get in my truck, and this, this, this lady came to me, this older woman, she was of a different race than I am, and she, she came over to me and she was noticeably upset and she uh, she had a piece of paper in her hand and I could tell she wasn't a very educated woman uh, but she was just an older woman and, and when I looked at her she just reminded me of my mother you know and she just this little this woman was confused she didn't know what to do and she showed me her piece of paper and she said I'm trying to pay I'm trying to pay my insurance bill and I can't find the office. It used to be here and it's not here anymore. The, the insurance company there had moved and she was all confused. She said, I've always paid my bill. I'm always taking care of my responsibility. And she said, I'm just, I just don't know what to do. 
and uh, she was just noticeably disoriented. So I put my arm around her, and I walk her up there to the doors where the insurance uh, company used to be, and I said, listen, it says, it says the phone number where they moved. This is the phone number you need to call, and this is the, uh, the address in the new place. So I took out my legal pad, and I wrote, I wrote uh, the phone number down for her, and she's still showing me the bill. She wants to pay her bill, and I wrote down the, the phone number, and I wrote down the address, and, and I said, what you do, need to do when you go home is you need to make this call, and they're going to help you with this, and, and she, just, she, she just started to calm down. I was thinking how, you know, every, every single human being needs to be treated with dignity. Every single human being needs to be treated with dignity, because every person ultimately matters. Everybody cares about everyone, even the corrupt high priest that Paul said, God will strike you you whitewash wall. So lift your hands with me this morning. Let's ask the Lord to help us with our flesh, the Lord to help us with our reactions. Our reactions are the indicator of where we really are. So God, as we, uh, as we lift our hands up to you today, we're grateful that every human being around us is made in the image of God. Uh, the people that are like us, the people that are not like us, the people that are a different political party, people that have different socioeconomic backgrounds, people that are different than us, Lord, are of great value. And so, Lord, help us this week to go out into our community to have love and grace toward other people, to minister the peace of God to other people. And, Lord, help us with our flesh, and we repent of those, those indicators that we still need to be made in the image of Jesus. So we ask you to help us and work in our life, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen.